Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Pastor Brad, a senior pastor here. And yes, this is a sports coat and tie. All right? All right? Once a year or so. Once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you were not here last uh, Sunday, um, I offered up some true confessions about being a snooper around the Christmas tree um, when I was about six years old. And um, I asked if there was any other snoopers here in the auditorium, and I found out I had a whole congregation of them. So here's what I want to do. I want to see how good you are at it. All right? Okay? See if you can discover what these gifts are. Maybe some of these gifts will even be underneath your Christmas tree, kids. All right, try this one. What's that? A, a, a what? A basketball. Yes, no one thinks it's a bowling ball. You don't think I'm strong enough, I guess, to carry that like that. Yep, yep. All right, uh, let's see. Here's a, here's a good one. How about this? What's that? What's that? Frying pan. Yes, of course. Nothing says Christmas like a frying pan. All right? Merry Christmas. Good. Yep. Yep. All right. How about this? How about this? Ah, no, it's a big spatula for the frying pan. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Now, uh, parents, you might have to help a little bit with this one. Uh, I know we have some of these around, and I'm going to eat some of this in just a bit. What is that? What is that? Yeah, Toblerone, chocolate, yum. I'm going to keep that one up here so nobody gets into that one. Now, these next two are, are very interesting. These are only for the uh, most um, uh, skilled snoopers, okay? Let's try this, okay? Let's see. Try this one first, okay? Listen, listen. What is that? Yeah, that's a puzzle, right? Yeah, no, not C's candy, all right? We, we would be in trouble if this was C's candy. The, am I just the only one who found this out? But this year I found out that if you're the first one into the C's candy, you can take and eat and shuffle all the rest of them around, and it looks like nothing has happened. Am I the only one who, who now knows that? I did not know that beforehand. But if you didn't know that, then God bless you. Okay, so you know that's a, a puzzle. Okay, try this one. Try this one. What's this? No, that's not. Listen, listen, listen. Haven't heard? Legos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. You got to be kind of skilled at that. Yeah. See, you have to be a little skilled at that when you open up those presents uh, underneath the Christmas tree. Any of you um, ever done the, um, the throw your kids completely off, um, uh, wrapped a smaller gift in a huge package, right? Yeah. My parents did that with a tennis racket. Uh, they gave me a tennis racket, and it was a huge four-by-eight package. It was kind of flat, and I still remember. It was, it was great. It was great to have that kind of anticipation for that. Um, have any of you ever done the huge package down to a smaller one, and then you got to open it, and a smaller one, you got to open it, and a smaller one, you got to open it? Yeah, yeah, that can be fun as well. Um, you never know what's in that small one because you've never had it, and you've never had it in front of you. You can feel it out, but sometimes um, uh, you can't even notice what, underneath, what is underneath the tree um, when it's the very smallest of packages? Sorry, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be. No, I didn't break anything. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, as I thought about small packages, I thought, that's how Jesus came into the world. Not in the big grandiose way, not in the flashy, showy way, but he came as a small package wrapped for us, in fact, so obscure 
that many didn't even know. The smallest of gifts was sent to Bethlehem. In fact, let me share with you part of the Christmas story. If you have your Bibles or if you want to look on your outlines that are in front of you, um, let me show you part of the Christmas story that would have been very interesting to the first century listeners who, who read and listened to Matthew's account <clears throat> of the birth of Jesus. In fact, let's read it together if you would, but this is Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. If you want to read from the screen, we'll all be on the same version. Let's read it together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. Now, let me kind of stop it right there because to the first century listener of this or reader of this, this would have posed a little interesting situation. To see Bethlehem in the same sentence as Herod the king. And let me explain why. Herod the Great, as he was known, was king of Judah from 37 B.C. to around 4 A.D. So right around the time that Jesus was going to be born, about 37 years before him. And it was during the Roman period um, that he was one of the greatest builders that we have today to look on the Holy Land. In fact, this mountain right here was built by Herod the Great with uh, thousands of slaves and paid workers and architects. It is visible from all around the Holy Land. You can see it there. was built probably around 23 or 20 B.C., so about 20, 23 years before Jesus was born. And it had a large complex up on the top and a fortress up on the top, as well as kind of a uh, palace and gardens in the lower part of the city. And what took place here was literally slaves scraped one hillside and took all the dirt and put it up on top of this other kind of this volcano and created a mountain out of a molehill. Now this was not far from Bethlehem. Here's kind of an artist rendition of this. This is not Bethlehem here. But here is the castle of how they have discovered of what it looked like back in Herod's day. And it was called the Herodian. You can hear Herod's name right inside of that, Herodian. It was made to impress. It was made to overpower. And uh, Herod's castle was there to rule and control the people who lived in fear of Herod. The Herodian would have been like a giant package underneath the Christmas tree that really had much of nothing inside it. In fact, you know what the easiest way to explain this to us here in Stockton? Do any of you remember when this came to our city a few years ago? You, you remember that? Remember what that was? Right? The Google barge. And, and, and I, mean, I mean, really, they can't still discover what all it was. It came, it stayed for a number of months, and then it left. We didn't really know kind of why it was there and what it was really doing. I mean, it was almost a big to-do about nothing. And that's what's going on here in the story. You contrast the Herodian of, of Herod with the city and the tiny village of Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the story that Pastor Mark just read. Bethlehem that would have caves such as this. Much like maybe even was behind the inn where Jesus was born. Contrast the castle of the king with the cave of Christ. And you'll get the picture of what it's like to have a huge package underneath the Christmas tree. It's filled with nothing, much of nothing at all. And then the littlest gift that's filled with everything. The greatest gift came 
in a, not in a show place of a castle, but was wrapped in swaddling clothes in a shivering, cold cave. And, and, and it's even more amazing when we come to realize that God could have sent Jesus any way at all, but he chose to send him like this as the smallest of packages. Again, let me continue on with the story. Let me read verse 1 again. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, remember we connected that word, of Judea in the, house, uh, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to, not to Jerusalem, or excuse me, not to Bethlehem, but to Jerusalem. That's where you go. If you're a wise man, you'd look for the big city. That's where the king is going to be. You'd look for the large package, but no. They came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him because Herod was the ruler. Herod was the one who wanted to maintain the control. Herod would make it tough on people if he was not in control. And so Herod, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. Bethlehem, the smallest of packages. You know, maybe you're here today and you realize that maybe you've been looking in the wrong place for the meaning of life. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong place for what the significant gift of God is. Uh, maybe you're here and you've discovered that uh, a relationship you had, or maybe even a relationship you've desired. Maybe you're single, desire to be married. Maybe you're married, desire to be single. I'm not sure what. But you realize relationships aren't really what you thought they would be. Maybe it's something with your work. Maybe it's something in your schooling. Maybe you've tried to get into school and it's not happening for you, or the school that you've been wanting to go to. Maybe it's something with your health. You know, this last week I was able to go over uh, to the Batterton's home and um, David, your husband, Judy, um, they have a small group and uh, their small group uh, during the course of this last fall um, went to the hospital when David was, was injured and had to go to the hospital. Um, and they kind of cracked some of that shell there with David, your husband, um, because they kind of softened him up. And then this last um, uh, week I was able to go over to Judy's home. And we sat around David and we talked to him about the things of life. David's been diagnosed um, with cancer. He's not sure how much longer he has to live. Um, and we talked to him about Jesus. The smallest of packages that came at Christmas time. And the fact that he could receive the Lord into his life. And he would know that heaven awaits for him. And David said yes. David said yes, that's what I want in my life. And we prayed with him, we prayed for him. And made sure that he knew where he was going in his life. You know, maybe you're here today and you're struggling with that. You don't know where life is taking you. You don't know where you would go if you were to die today. The gift that God gives to us in Jesus is the answer to that. Realize the greatest gift that was ever given, that was ever given to us was gift wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was packaged in a manger. It was cradled in the smelly straw <clears throat> beside the Sheep's wool shear beside the donkey dung. That's where the gift was given to us. But inside of that gift is something that not even in all the world can be contained. Why? Because it's the God of the universe. In fact, I love how the writer of Colossians says this. Paul writes it like this in Colossians chapter 2. 
He says, for in him, he's talking about Jesus. In Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's it. God himself came down to be in the smallest of packages. Why? Because God decided that he wanted to step down into our world to save us from our sins. In fact, Matthew records a little bit earlier in the story, up in verse 20, where it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name, as Pastor Mark read us the story, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God decided he needed to step down into our world and to identify with us. And so he didn't come in a Herodian type of castle, but he came to a cave that substituted for a stall, that substituted for an inn's room where Jesus was born. You know, the story kind of reminds me of um, the story of Helen Keller. This last fall, I went to Washington, D.C. with our school, First Baptist Christian School here on the grounds um, that uh, meets, and every fall they head off to uh, Washington, D.C. Actually, it's every other year they do that. And one of the rooms that was most surprising to me was a room near the Capitol that had 100 statues in it. Now, here's what's interesting about the statues. There are two statues from every state. And the one I was most amazed by was the statue of Helen Keller. She's from Alabama. And let me explain to you the story about Helen Keller, because many of us have heard it, know lots of parts of it, but maybe we don't know everything about it. She was born in 1880. She was born and lived till the age of two, and she had sight, and she could hear. But around age two, she developed an illness that left her blind and deaf and mute. And when she was seven years of age, uh, Anne Sullivan came, who was a young woman who wanted to be her teacher and help her learn the ways of the world, um, ways of the world that she could not see, that she could not hear, that she could not speak about. And Anne herself was partially blind. And so it, I believe it helped her share more with um, Helen when she was going through trying to learn about this. But Helen was kind of trapped in this frightening, lonely world, and she misinterpreted Anne's attempts to teach her. And so what happened was they had a battle of the wills. Uh, over and over, Annie would sign language into Helen's hand, and Helen would pull back away, and Annie would push and persist, and Helen would resist until there finally came a breakthrough. And it's what's signified by this water pump here. If you've seen the movie uh, The Miracle Worker, you'll see this scene where... Um, Anne takes Helen and she puts her hand underneath a, a, a pump and she begins to pump water into her hand. And into the other hand, she sign language, W-A-T-E-R. And pulled her, or, or Helen pulled her hand away, not understanding what she was doing. And Anne took her hand again and stuck it underneath the water and signed in her other hand, W-A-T-E-R. E-R. Again, Helen pulled her hand away, and Annie persisted and put her hand underneath it. W-A-T-E-R. And all of a sudden, Helen got it. She stopped, and she placed her, her hand upon uh, her teacher's face, and her teacher nodded as she also said or, or, or signed back to her teacher. W-A-T-E-R. 
was the feel of water. All of a sudden, there was some communication that could be had before them. And Helen now pulled Anne around and said, and, and, and signed and, 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 and tried to get her to, to look at the ground and touch the ground. And she would sign to her, G-R-O-U-N-D. She ran up onto the porch, P-O-R-C-H. She would go to the pump, and it was signed to her, P-U-M-P. She communicated. She had broken that code. You know, that's what Christmas time is. It's a time when God became one of us so that he could speak our language, so that he could speak to us, so that we would understand who he is. And in the midst of that, he has given us the message of H-O-P-E-L-I. F-E-J-E-S-U-S. Hope. Life. Jesus. That's what God is communicating to us at Christmas time. Because in reality, we are as deaf and as blind and as mute as Helen Keller. And that's why Jesus came. In fact, the verses that kind of simplify this is John chapter 1. Verse 9 and 12, let me read it to you. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. But to all who did not receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become. What's it say there? To become what? Children of God. In fact, Romans 6.23 really kind of boils it down when it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. The free gift, the gift that God has given to us. You know, a gift isn't a gift until it's received, until it's opened. I mean, I didn't open up any of these gifts to you. How do you know that that frying pan wasn't a new car? We didn't open it up, did we? You never know. You have to open up the gift. You can't just see it there. You can't just experience it. You can't just put Could you imagine going home tonight and tomorrow, kids, and never opening up any of your gifts? You have to open them. To experience them, to enjoy them. Let me share one more story with you. Um, in one of his books, Jess Moody tells of meeting Rose Kennedy. Rose Kennedy is the mother of a President John F. Kennedy. I actually was able to see his tomb there in Washington, D.C. as well, uh, in Arlington Cemetery. And uh, Jess Mooney tells about a time that he had a Bible study, and um, Rose Kennedy was in that study. And that night, he challenged all the participants to make their hearts ready to meet Christ the Lord. Because he said, life is short. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what your future holds. And when the meeting was over, Rose Kennedy approached Jess and said, you know, I've done that. But let me share a little story with you about how my life has been changed when I really made that decision. She said, when I was a young bride, I was enamored by power and money. I was very, really selfish, uh, and I lived for my own desires. And she said, we gave birth to a beautiful little baby girl. But just a few months into her life, we discovered that a medical test revealed that she was born with um, severe mental disabilities and that she was going to have to be institutionalized for the rest of her life. And Rose Kennedy said, my husband and I were devastated by that news. In fact, we, we, we built up a huge, enormous anger of God in the midst of this. We said, God, how could you let this happen? How could you have done this to us? That anger really became pretty corrosive and 
bitter, and she said it drained every bit of joy from my life. Then one night, she and her husband were getting ready to go out on the town. Some social gathering they were having, and she decided, I cannot go. I'm still very angry, and if someone asks me about my daughter, I probably will snap at them. I don't know what I'll say, and so I'm, I'm not going to go out. And that's when it happened. One of the maids who had served her in their house approached her. She had seen what had been going on, and she said this. She said, Mrs. Kennedy, I've been watching you for the last few weeks, and I see how angry you are. She said, if you don't do something, it's going to ruin you. And she said, here's the prayer you need to pray. She said, oh, Lord, pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. Rose Kennedy told Jess that night that she became so angry at that mate, she fired her right, right there on the spot. You're done. You're through. But that night, Rose couldn't sleep. And she began to toss and turn, toss and turn in bed. And she began to think about this simple prayer that had been told to her. And that night she got out of her bed. And in a deep act of surrender, she prayed, O Lord, make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. And she said, in that moment of, 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 I cried out in deep anguish. And I believe God on that night heard my prayer because he saw my heart. She said, I've always been religious. In fact, I, I go to church every now and then. I've always believed. She said, this night was different. That was the night I opened up my heart to Christ. That was the night when I made my heart a manger for the Christ child to come into. And she said, that was the night that love replaced the anger that had gripped her soul over this situation. And the end of the story is she actually rehired the, ner the, the maid who she had fired. And the maid lived with the Kennedys until she died decades later. But here's where it goes with us. Maybe you're here tonight and you would say you've always been religious. You would say, well, I, I go to church, maybe not often, but I go some. I, I've always believed in this Jesus. But maybe tonight you finally have realized that it's not just about a a, a, a figurehead in history. That it's not just about someone who lived 2,000 years ago, but it's a true belief. It's a faith statement that you make. Maybe tonight is your night for that personal relationship with Christ to be engaged in. A simple prayer to say, Lord Jesus, would you make my heart your home? Maybe tonight you're here and and you would say you've accepted Christ, but maybe you feel as though he is far away from you. Maybe tonight's the night to say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk closer to you. I don't want other things to distract from me. I want to walk close to you. And my prayer again is that you make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. You know, there's a beautiful song um, that we sang in the musical that we had a couple weeks ago here up here on stage, it was a song, um, Be Born in Me. And it's sung from Mary's perspective of what it was like to have the Christ child that was going to be born inside of her. And so, Asia Homosmos, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. And um, Asia's going to sing that beautiful song for us. Um, and, uh, you know, Asia is uh, 17 years old, 
probably not much older than Mary would have been when she received the news that she was going to be the mother of Jesus himself. And those words you'll hear her saying, sing, be born in me, be born in me. And tonight I know you'll be blessed as you hear that, as we think about how not just a baby will be born inside of Mary, but how the baby, the Christ child, can be born inside of each of us.
Let's pray. God, we've been touched by a song that would have echoed the prayer of Mary, that she would be saying, be born in me. And Lord, it's a prayer that we can echo here in 2016 as well. Not a physical birth, but a spiritual one inside of us. Lord, even as we've heard a story about a prominent figure, Rose Kennedy, who didn't really realize that it was about a personal relationship of the Christ child being born in her life, but that it wasn't um, about going to church, it wasn't even about just a simple belief in a figure that lived 2,000 years ago, but it's truly opening up our hearts to be saying, Lord Jesus, would you be born in us? And tonight, if you've discovered today, or tonight is your time to say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I've not opened my life to you. It would be as simple as saying these words in your heart. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be born inside of me. Today I realize that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Today I choose to follow you. Today, in faith, I believe that you are God's son sent in this world to die for me. But not only to die, to raise again to new life that I might join you one day. It's a simple prayer that needs to come from your heart. Not the exact words that I prayed, but needs to come from your heart to say, Lord Jesus, would you be born in me? God, thank you for an opportunity that we have had to hear your spirit. Thank you for this night that we can celebrate and rejoice what it means for you to become one of us. God with us, Emmanuel. We celebrate, we sing that now. Even as we sing one last song of the angels, what they would have said and sung to the shepherds. Lord, we sing it with great joy. We sing it knowing that this Christ child has been born in Bethlehem, but he also now can be born in our hearts. We love you, we thank you. May we sing and celebrate it together. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.